question. How am I going to live well in 2020? Uh, What do I need uh, to live well? And if you start asking yourself that question and listening to the world, it gets pretty confusing pretty quickly. Uh, Because there are all kinds of voices telling you what you need to live well. And if you believe all of them, well, life is chaos. I mean, you you can't listen to all of them. You can't believe them. Uh, Which voices do you believe to... uh, Which voices do you believe? How do you live well uh, in the world? As people telling you you need uh, certain things to live well financially, normally they're trying to sell you something, uh, advice or a pension or, or something. Uh, There's people telling you uh, you need certain kinds of relationships to live well. Normally they're selling you a book or a dating service or or something. Uh, There's people telling you uh, you need a certain kind of career. uh, And normally they're advertising jobs somewhere. Uh, But then even within just our social circles, the people we hang out with, we're being given examples or we're being given wisdom uh, of all different kinds for how to live well. Uh, What do we need to live well? It's interesting. Uh, Jesus comes and he says, I can give you life. Do you see that? We've not got it on the screen, but it's there printed for us on the the service handouts. Jesus comes, he says, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. It's a surprise that Jesus would uh, say that. Uh, Later on in John's Gospel, we're told, now uh, uh, this is eternal life. This is life, life to the full. What does it uh, consist of? What do we need for it? Well, this eternal life is that uh, we know God, the Father, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom he sent. Jesus comes in the world, he says, you want to live well, you want life and, and fullness of life? That's what I've come to give you. And the way you get it is to know the God who made you, God the Father, the only God, uh, and you get to know him through me. Am I surprised that Jesus comes with that offer of, uh, of life? You're here this morning, you're not a Christian, maybe you don't expect that. If you're here this morning and uh, you would describe yourself as a Christian, maybe you don't always feel like that. That's what Jesus says, isn't it? So I've come that you might have life. Uh, And as we come to the book of Peter, uh, the Apostle Peter, he's taken up that offer. Uh, He's tasted that life with God physically in front of him. As he lived with Jesus, heard him teach, saw his miracles, watched him die, uh, met him once risen, saw him ascend. Uh, He's then gone on to live life trusting in this Jesus as his Saviour and his Lord. And as he gets close to the end of his life... He's looking forward to Jesus coming back and to seeing him face to face once again and to having that fullness of life that is promised. It gets to the end of his life. He's looking forward to that, but he also looks around at the world and he longs that other people might know it too. And so he writes uh, this letter. So that the church is scattered around the Mediterranean so that us today through the same spirit-inspired words, might keep going, uh, enjoying this life that Jesus came uh, to give us, keep going through to the end, and enjoy it in all its fullness when he comes back. 
uh, we're going to be looking at this morning just at verses uh, 3 and 4. We're going through this section quite slowly, aren't we? We we had this same reading last week, but we're in uh, verses 3 and 4 this morning. Uh, And there are two things uh, ready for us to see. Uh, Through knowing Jesus, that's the sort of big idea of the whole two, Peter, uh, to keep going knowing Jesus. Uh, Through knowing Jesus, he gives us everything we need for life uh, with him and for him. And he gives us his promises so that we can enjoy his uh, quality and, and character of life. And that's where we're going. Uh, but as we sort of begin to think about that, I want you to imagine uh, setting out on a journey. Uh, setting out on a journey, it's good to know that you have what you need, isn't it? Uh, so when we go off on holiday, uh, our car's usually pretty uh, full with uh, stuff for the kids. Uh, and as we pull away from the house, you've got that nagging question. We feel like we've got a lot do we have what we need? Are we going to find ourselves an hour, two hours, three hours down the motorway going, oh, we left, dot, 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 the passports, the tickets, the whatever it is. I guess we've been there. You set off on a journey, you want to know you've got what you need. Uh, we've got a picture, I think, of uh, Kath's bike. Uh, can we have that on the screen? There we go, there's Kath's bike. Uh, Kath went on a, a cycling uh, holiday last year. That to my eye as somebody who doesn't really cycle that's a pretty heavily laden bike uh, it's got to carry uh, everything that Kath needs uh, for um, uh, her holiday actually we've got a few of those items down there you might want to look at them later uh, I guess uh, somewhere in the mix there there's a tent for shelter there's a sleeping bag for rest uh, cooking equipment for food I guess GPS to stay on track uh, passport I imagine in order to uh, get to the country that you're travelling to on a journey, you want to make sure you've got what you need. Now, that photo, you can probably tell by the, um, uh, the pattern on the chair. It looks like it's taken on, on the tube. Is that right, Kath? Overground train. Cool. So is that setting off or is that coming back? It's setting off. Setting off. Uh, now, I imagine you probably checked a couple of times before you left that you had everything you needed. Did you have that experience on the train of thinking, I'll, I'll just check, have I got everything? When you go on a journey, you want to know that you've got everything you need. Uh, And as a Christian, uh, journeying through the Christian life, we want to know we've got everything we need. Just glance down with me, verse 3. What does the Holy Spirit say to us this morning? Jesus Christ in his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. So the encouragement this morning, through knowing Jesus, he gives us all that we need to journey with him, for life, with him uh, and for him. Uh, See, glance down there, Peter talks about life and godliness, doesn't he? He's talking about a life that is lived uh, with God, uh, that is pleasing to God. We often think that we about eternal life as being uh, heaven, something entirely future, something that hasn't started yet. But the New Testament consistently talks about eternal life as uh, knowing God through Jesus. We saw that earlier on, it's there uh, from John. Uh, this life uh, begins when we come to know Jesus. Now for sure, the, the best is still to come, no question of that. Uh, when Jesus comes back, when we enjoy this life uh, to the full, when we see him face to face, it'll be amazing. But Peter encourages his, 
It's not all future. Uh, Through knowing Jesus, he gives us all we need for life with him now. It's life with him. Uh, But it's also life uh, for him. Do you see that in verse 3? It's a life that is uh, godly. Uh, The original word literally means uh, good worship. That carries the idea of uh, reverence. Um, uh, One of the old-fashioned words might be uh, piety. So you remember, uh, Peter, just in the verse before there, he's reminded us that Jesus is our Lord. He's not our personal genie. So living with God as our God, with Jesus as our Lord, means not just living with him, but living for him in a way that pleases him. What do we need to do that? Uh, How can we enjoy uh, life with God in a way that brings a smile to the Father's face in a world where there are so many voices pulling us in all these different directions? Peter says, what we need uh, is to know Jesus. Uh, Imagine a child. A child with perhaps a a complicated background uh, is adopted into a family. Uh, We'll call him Adopted Alan, just so we've got a name to follow things through. Uh, Now that he's adopted, Alan has a new life now. And with that comes a new and a generous father. Now, how can Alan set about fully enjoying uh, life in his new family? Uh, How can he grasp what it will mean for him to live in a way that will uh, please his generous and kind father? One way would be to hang out with the father and with his biological son. Uh, The son who is uh, the spitting image of his father, who shares his father's character, who shares his father's heart. That son whose every word and action pleases the father, well, he's Alan's older brother now. So if adopted Alan hangs out with his brother as he gets to know him, he's experiencing life in the family. And he'll get to know what the father loves and the way the father loves and what brings a smile to the father's face. See, that is what every adopted child needs. We know substitute for time with and getting to know the father and the biological son. That's participating in family life. Through the son, getting to know the father. Hopefully you see the parallel. If you're a Christian here this morning, you've been adopted into God's family. And the way to experience and to enjoy... At life with God, the way to uh, live life that is for God in a way that pleases Him is to get to know Jesus better. Let's glance down verse 3 again. Jesus has given us everything we need uh, for life and godliness through our knowledge of Jesus. It's good news, isn't it? We have all that we need as we journey through the world, through life, looking forward to Jesus' return. The way to enjoy life with God and for God is to know God through Jesus. In a world with all these other voices telling us all that we need, all that we might have, all that we could buy, uh, pulling us in all these different directions. At heart, what we need is to know Jesus. Uh, So if you're serious about enjoying life with God, if you want to enjoy life with him, life for him, then you need to make it a priority to get to know Jesus. It's pretty straightforward, isn't it? You need to make it your priority to get to know Jesus better than you already do.
And there's always a danger, I think, particularly if you've been knocking around in a church for any length of time, that that becomes so familiar that you become blasated. Uh, it's written at various points around the building. The, the banner is new, but the message is the same. To know Jesus and make Jesus known. It's been knocking around here for, for decades, probably. Danger is we get blasé to it because it's so familiar. Uh, Peter reminds us of it, consciously aware that it will be familiar to his readers because we need to hear it. We need to believe it. And we need to live like it's true. The way to enjoy life with God, for God, is to know Jesus better. And we mustn't be put off by how simple that sounds. As we thought about last week, because Jesus is inexhaustibly wonderful, getting to know Jesus is a lifelong pursuit. It's a journey of wonder. Uh, reality will be, some of us will feel stalled on that journey. Some of us, we're, we're struggling to get to know Jesus. Some of us, we are being uh, pulled in all kinds of different directions by all kinds of different voices. Uh, and we may have just wandered slightly off on our journey. Uh, Peter writes to help us know Jesus and to enjoy the life that comes from that. Uh, the second encouragement there for us, it's not just that we have all we need for life uh, with him and for him, but that knowing Jesus, he gives us his promises so that we can enjoy his quality and character of life. Uh, a danger for us, I think, whether you call yourself a Christian or, or, or not, is that you see Jesus only as an example to follow. Now, of course, Jesus is an example. Uh, he life, uh, lived life uh, with and for his father perfectly. Uh, his was a life of perfect love. You want to know what to love, how to love. Jesus is the person to look to. He is an example. But if that is all that Jesus is for you, uh, an example this morning, then one of two things will probably happen, and perhaps both. First is this, you, you'll feel anxious and insecure before God. Because none of us live like Jesus. If you see him only as your example, you'll be worried that the Father isn't pleased with you because you're not like him, you fall short of him. And so you'll be insecure and you'll be anxious and you may well be restlessly working to try and please the Father and to be like Jesus. And feeling perhaps crushed when you fail. And we all fail. Uh, or if you're not crushed by the comparison, or, or perhaps because you have been, the other thing you can do, instead of feeling anxious and insecure, or to try and deal with that feeling, is to just keep your distance from Jesus. Uh, to avoid uh, feeling that you fall too far short of his perfection, his life of love, one thing you can do is just stay far from him. Because from a distance... He'll look more like you. From a distance, you might be able to persuade yourself he's just a good man who had some good ideas. That's one way to avoid being crushed, to try and stay comfortable. But Peter's very clear for us here, isn't he? Jesus isn't only our example. 
Jesus also secures and reveals God's promises to us. So just can't stand with me, verse 4. Through these things, Jesus' glory and goodness, he's given us his very great and precious promises so that through them we might participate in the divine nature. Come on to that. Having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Peter says here, to get to know Jesus more than getting to know how to live for God. It's getting to know the Saviour, who promises that he's done and will do everything that we need to give us life with God forever. And if we get to know Jesus better as Saviour, what happens then as we see his perfect life? How do we feel when we realise just how loving and wise and righteous he is? How do we feel when we realise how far short we fall? Do you see, our ego isn't crushed. It doesn't have to be. And we don't have to run away in order to persuade ourselves that really we're doing okay. As we get to know Jesus as a saviour, as we grasp what his promises mean for us, what it means to be an adopted member of the family. You see his righteousness and he becomes more wonderful but his promises become more wonderful too because he shared that righteousness with you. So you don't need to run away. You don't need to feel crushed. You see the depths of his compassion on a sin-spoiled and broken world and it becomes more wonderful and his promises become more wonderful because he's shown that compassion to the sin-spoiled you and the sin-spoiled me. It's as we see Jesus and get to know him for who he is as saviour, we don't run and hide from him, we're drawn nearer to him. Do you see that? Further into life with him. That's the experience of adopted Alan, isn't it? Life in a new family, getting to know his brother, beginning to follow his example, but already adopted, already in the family. Never having to run away and hide. That's the pattern of Christian life. Let me ask you this morning, how's your Christian life going? Uh, Are you uh, getting to know Jesus better? Uh, We've got to know Jesus uh, the way that any relationship, any personal knowledge of somebody else grows. Sometimes quickly, sometimes slow. But one step at a time as we share experiences, as we share our hearts. And we know this, don't we? You get to know somebody better by spending time with them at where communication is good. So are we doing that? Uh, are we spending time with Jesus uh, consciously? He's always with us. Are we consciously spending time with him? Uh, are we hearing him speak to us in the Bible? Are we speaking back to him in prayer? That's how it gets to know him better. As always, we, when we blase to these things, we think, oh, it's so familiar, it's so ordinary. That is how God's divine power brings these things to us. How we get to know Jesus better. There's a link, I guess, between having all that we need in Jesus and 
how we get to know Jesus through uh, the Bible and through prayer. Uh, hopefully towards the end of the service we'll uh, have time to watch a short video and maybe chat a little bit about how we come to uh, engage with the Bible. I want to be clear, when uh, Christians historically have talked about the Bible giving us all we need uh, to know Jesus, all we need for salvation, uh, it's not saying the Bible answers every question that we might have. Actually, we need to come to God's word with a humility that says, actually, God knows and decides what we need to know for life and godliness. And so we come with a humility that says, the Bible can set the questions as well as give us the answers. The Bible doesn't give us everything we might like to know. It doesn't give us everything we know for life in the sense that if, if you're going to become a brain surgeon or an airline pilot, read the manuals. I don't want to fly a plane uh, flown by a pilot who said, well, I've read my Bible, so I'm, I'm, I'm good to go. The claim is not that the Bible answers every question for life but it enables us to come to every question for life knowing and having what we need to make choices that bring a smile to the Father's face so that we can live life with God and and for God I wonder if that's the expectation that we have as we come to the Bible together you think uh, our midweek growth groups Uh, Is that what we're expecting to happen? To be uh, equipped and enabled to make our choices to uh, journey through life in a way that brings a smile for Father's face. So in a world where there are so many voices, and Peter's going to come on to why and how that is hard, and we know it is, don't we? We need to know that the Father's voice comes to us through our knowledge of Jesus and his word. That is the voice to follow. And so when we're pulled away by other things, we don't let go of our grip on those precious promises because we know him, we know what he's like, we know what he has waiting for us. And we know in his word we have what we need. Now I wish I believed this more than I did. Because if you read off the pattern of my life, what I believe, it doesn't look like day by day, moment by moment, in the choices that I face, big and small, that I believe I have all I need in my knowledge of Jesus. It doesn't show in my ambition to know Jesus better that actually I think that is where life is to be found in knowing him. But I would love to change. I would love to have more of that kind of ambition. I would love to be pressing on because Jesus is inexhaustibly wonderful. And I've tasted that much. I just want to encourage us as we uh, sort of uh, voyage together through uh, the book of 2 Timothy over the next uh, five weeks or so. Just to be thinking, how, how might we be a bit more ambitious? Recognising none of us are where we want to be, either in our knowledge of Jesus or even in our pursuit of knowing Jesus. What might it look like for us just to make one change that might help us in that? We have all we need in Him. We have all we need to know Him 
in his word, through his spirit. What might it look like to take hold of those very precious promises more fully so that we can enjoy life to the full? I'm going to just take just a moment. It may be uh, that as I've been speaking, something's come to mind. You thought, actually, uh, X would really help me. Or I'd like to make a certain change, introduce something, stop doing something. Perhaps you need to stop something in order to start something else. How can you spend time with your older brother to get to know him better? And know how to bring a smile to Father's head.